you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. All right, so take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to go through chapter 4 today, not the whole chapter, verses 1 to 12. I got a message uh, for you called A Next Level Walk. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word today. Uh, these good instructions on how to walk as we are here on this earth. Uh, We thank you for your strength, for your faithfulness, for your overwhelming love in our lives. And we pray that we'd receive this today, Lord, that it would be something we could put into practice even, even today. As we've asked for a couple of Prayer requests, Lord, I lift up to you, VBS. Pray you go before Lori and the team there and all the planning and that you'd stir in us an excitement about sharing Jesus with the kids around our church and those in our church. We pray for the worship service of Easter that will be outside, that it will be good weather for that and that there wouldn't be any obstacles to getting us together to celebrate that empty grave and what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished So thank you for this time together. Help us, Lord, receive this. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a next level walk. You know, all walks are not created equal. Would you agree? You know, like a a walk down my driveway to get the mail and back is not going to compare to a walk at the park. A walk at the park is, is not going to compare to a walk in the mountains or on the beach. 
And a walk in the mountains or on the beach is not going to compare to a walk on the moon. See, in, in my humble opinion, each one of those is a next level up kind of walk. You know, there was a song that I listened to a lot as a teenager called Walking on the Moon by the Police. I, I still like this song. It's kind of got a reggae rhythm, you know, and it, it is a message about being in love, what it feels like uh, to be in love. Now, don't tell Larry and Joyce Ostendorf this, but the first time that I kissed my wife was out at the end of a dock in Florida on a spring break trip with their youth group. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and I can, I can tell you this, that walking Lori back to her cabin, I was feeling no pain. And walking back to my cabin, I was walking on the moon. And just because that sort of came up in my heart, I wanted to play for you just a little bit of that song. So here, here you go. forget it spring break 1984 in my humble opinion that kind of walking on the moon beats actually walking on the moon and there's not a lot that can beat that now you're like what is he doing come back in these verses in my humble opinion and i think Lori would agree with me this is another level of walking than even that. Doesn't get any better than Paul's encouragement to his spiritual children to keep walking with God. So let's see what this is all about. So first, Paul asks them to walk in God's pleasure. Walk in his pleasure. He's writing to them, remember, as as one of them. Okay, he says, brothers. 
And he doesn't command them. He asks them and urges them in the Lord Jesus to walk in God's pleasure like they had been taught and to do it more and more. Now, we often say that Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship. Okay, And this is where it shines through right here. We are living in relationship to the living God, and it is... It is how and why we do what we do. We are, we are not living out a religion. We are not living out a set of laws, of rules. We are not working a system of belief here. We are walking in relationship to the living God by faith in his son, Jesus. Because of Jesus, God is already pleased with us. Yeah. Because of Jesus, God is already pleased with us. When we wake up in the morning, we don't wake up to God's disappointment and displeasure. We wake up to his enjoyment and mercy and smile. You know, one of the best books I've ever read, I read last year about Christ's heart. It's called Gentle and Lowly. It's by Dane Ortland. Gentle and Lowly, the Heart of Christ for Sinners. And chapter 20 is titled, Our Law-ish Hearts and Christ's Lavish Heart. And he starts the chapter like this. There are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live for God's smile or from God's smile. For a new identity as a son or daughter of God or from it. For your union with Christ or from it. It is a subtle shift in our thinking, but it makes a huge difference in how we trust Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us in our life. You see, when, we, when we're living in, in the latter ways that he's saying there, you know, for Christ's heart, for God's smile, for our new identity, for our union with Christ... Basically, we are living our lives like the gospel is not true. That's what it's like. We're so used to working for everything that we have that when we are given something, when we receive salvation through Jesus, we think we got to hang on to it with our own behavior, with our own might, with our own strength. You know, R.C. Sproul said this, if we could lose our salvation, we would. We aren't walking so God will be pleased with us. We do it because he's already pleased with us. And we want that smile on his face to be ear to ear. So if we're trying to live to please God, if that's the motivation of our life, we will never catch up. And we will never know the rest that Christ offers, as Randy was praying about. We will never know the peace of being in God's family. We will never know the strength of walking in his pleasure. I was doing a lot of reminiscing this week, as you can tell by the way I started the message. But I remember the first time that Lori ever came to watch me swim in a swim meet. Okay, for those of you who don't know, I was a competitive swimmer growing up. So I spent most of my teenage years soaking my head in chlorine water. And I loved every minute of it, okay? It was, it was all about my life. Well, in the summer of 1984, Lori came to watch me swim in my first meet. It was down in Columbus, Indiana at Donner Swim Club, all right? And the first race that I was 
swimming in that she had ever seen me swim was the 200 butterfly. Now, I am not a fan of races over 100 yards. That's just too much pain. But didn't matter what I wanted. The coach made me swim them anyway. Butterfly has that reputation for being the most strenuous of strokes to swim, like the hardest one. So think of the 200 butterfly as swimming the hardest thing you can swim down and back a football field as fast as you can go. Okay, I did not want to swim the 200 fly. It's just way too much pain. But I'll tell you what, at this swim meet, it was different. Lori was watching me. I remember very clearly, I got up on the starting blocks, and she was over here, you know, to my right. She was standing there behind a chain link fence with her head up cheering me on. And I was up there. There was two other swimmers next to me, three people swimming the 200 fly, you know, have all the sympathy in the world for us. You know, poor guys. Now, one of those guys is named Billy Linder. And Billy Linder had the uncanny ability to beat me every single time we swam butterfly against each other. But not this time. Not, not this time. He was not going to humiliate me. I was there to impress my girlfriend. And when we went, uh, when that starting gun went off, I swam the easiest 200 fly I have ever swum. Left Billy Linder in my wake. And I got a blue ribbon out of it. Not to earn Lori's pleasure, but because of it. And at the end of it, Billy Linder looked over and he goes, what happened? I did not divulge my secret weapon standing over at the fence. Wouldn't it be remarkable if we could live out one day for God like that? You know, sin wouldn't tempt us. Suffering wouldn't slow us down. At the end of the day, Satan would go, what happened? Instead of days that have regret and shame and humiliation for how we live, we'd, we'd be mindful that God was pleased with us. He was watching us, cheering us on. And we'd be mindful of the price that was paid for us to have that pleasure. And we'd get up in the morning and we'd walk in such a way God would be grinning ear to ear and pin a blue ribbon on the end of your day. Wouldn't that be an awesome day? What would that day look like? Well, I can tell you this. It would be a day that was full of faith. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's going to be a day that's full of faith. Now, faith in Christ for forgiveness of your sins and, and for a life eternal, everlasting, that's where faith starts. But that's not where it ends. It, it is a living faith. We work it out every day. We, we read the word. God tells us who he is, and we go and live like we believe he is who he says he is. And that makes his smile grow. It'd also be a day where our minds are set on the things of the Spirit. Okay, Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So what would happen that day is we'd walk into a room and we'd be spiritually minded thinking, what's God doing in here? 
We'd be having a conversation with our coworker or, or somebody uh, in the neighborhood, and we'd be wondering, what does God want me to say to them? How does, how does he want me to respond to them? How does he want me to, to bring him up? No, no dialogues on this earth. We're having trialogues. Spiritually minded. We'd be working our jobs as unto the Lord. That would be a blue ribbon day. Psalm 147, verse 1 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. So we'd be walking out a day, you know, this word would be authoritative over us, and we'd, we'd say, you know what? I, I want to do that because it's coming from Him. And we'd be giving up our plans for His plans and His ways uh, for our ways because His ways are the best ways. We'd fear Him. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And don't forget to do good. And to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So when we do for others and share God's provision with others, those are the kinds of things that makes God's smile grow. Now, I'm sure there are other ways, but every day we've got the opportunity to walk in His pleasure and to do it more and more. When was the last time you had a blue ribbon day? With God. Just remember this. You're not walking to earn his pleasure. You're walking this way because of his pleasure. And that changes your outlook on the whole day. From the time your feet hit the floor to the time you go to sleep. So walk in his pleasure. Now one of the ways that we can walk in his pleasure is to walk in his will. Okay, verse 3 starts off. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So sanctification is a word that is the, it, it means to, this process of becoming more Christ-like. And specifically here, we're talking about holiness. And we're com- becoming more holy, more like Christ. And Paul jumps right in there and he, and he brings up sexual immorality. This area of life that has plagued humanity and specifically pagan Greek-speaking world of Gentiles. So God gave, gave us sexual desires. He, he gave us those things. But the history of man has proven that we can take something that God has given us that is very good and we can run with it, let it run wild and abuse it and then it does all kinds of harm to people and to our very soul. Sexual sin is a special kind of sin. Our world tells us, look, this is, it's nothing. You know, it's just fun. It's just recreational fun. It's no big deal. It's just physical. But God says something different, that sexual intimacy has an impact on our soul. You know, the early church made an emphasis to handle our sexual desires with care and within the boundaries that God has given us for them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Sexual sin is different. Without God's influence and instruction regarding sex, you can see pretty easily what man does with these desires. If you look back at the time of the Thessalonians and in the Greek and the Roman societies, the only real sexual boundary that anybody really paid attention to was that you wouldn't sleep with another man's wife. Outside of that, it was sort of expected and even promoted 
to not deny yourself any sexual pleasure as a man. Uh, Women didn't have any rights or protections unless they were married. A young man, that's how he became a man, through his sexual experiences. And so the new believers in the Thessalonican church, all right, that came out of that Greek background, they would have been hearing these instructions from Paul and it would have been very foreign to them. They might even think, hey, that's unnatural. That's even unhealthy. Why put boundaries around your sexual desires? And Paul's instructions here, as you you read through them, it sounds like some of them were ignoring this, this instruction. Now, it's not hard for us to, to picture the culture in which they were all living because we live in a very similar culture. We haven't got to the place, actually, of being as wild as them, but we're headed there. Everywhere you turn in our society, we run into sex. Everywhere you turn. Advertisements. You know, I mean, we can watch an advertisement and go, what were they selling? Is it, it was sex. We, we don't know what the product was. You, know, so you run into advertisements, TV shows, social media streams, YouTube shorts, comedy, movies, Hollywood, billboards, shopping, sports and politics. All of these areas of our lives are saturated with sexualized images and ideas. And then you bring in, you know, the the added availability of pornography, you know, and how it's just running rampant. And and it's, it's no wonder we carry around access to it in our pockets all day long. It's right there, just a fingertip away. You know, I read an article this week about pornography and the pandemic and that how, it, how it's gotten worse. But one of the things that it said is there's basically no difference between the Christian world and the non-Christian world when it comes to the use of pornography. They were, they were talking about men. Now, pornography is, is destroying any desire for spiritual growth. I mean, we're just... Quenching the Holy Spirit, freezing our soul. It is damaging marriage relationships. It is keeping people in the shadows of answering the call to serve the King. All of those things are happening. All of that is a result of pornography. And, you know, it is not hard to see Satan working here. I mean, you take out the men, you take out the leadership in the church. This is a place that men are supposed to lead. And he's kicking us in the shins. He's weakening marriages. When you weaken marriages, you weaken the, the picture of, of Jesus and, the, and his bride. That's, that's a mystery, mysterious picture. I mean, we can see and we can hear the words of Romans 1 coming true in our days as God gives us over to our sexual desires and we forsake natural ones for unnatural ones and we make laws to protect those freedoms and we risk or we force people who are not going to affirm that kind of stuff or get canceled. We can do better. We can do better. Paul says, stay away from sexual immorality. 
Now, in his context, what he's thinking about there is having sex if you're not married or if you are married, having sex with someone who isn't your spouse. And we know that Jesus then brought in not only what we're doing with our bodies, but what we're doing in our minds. If we look at a woman lustfully, he says it's just like you're having an adulterous affair with her. So negatively, that's what we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to abstain from this sexual immorality. But positively, Paul says, to learn how to control our bodies and grow in holiness and honor and not give ourselves over to these lustful passions, letting them run wild in our life like those who don't know God. There's supposed to be a difference between Christian and non-Christian. And, you know, sex within marriage, it can go wrong, too. When we're not in it for the other person, we're just using. The world has given us such warped ideas about what sex should be like, and we are reaping the consequences from the marriage bed to the brothels of the sex traffickers around the world. We're reaping the consequences. Paul keeps going. He says, look, we're not to wrong each other that way. Sex involves trust. And if we abuse the other, we abuse the trust. And we ruin the good that God desires between husband and wife. Abstain from sexual immorality. And when you're married, work on making your sex life holy and honorable. You know, God's way is the best way. It's the best way. And it will be way better than anything this world could offer. Paul keeps going and he reminds that God is an avenger. And so what we think we're doing in secret, he sees it's on, it's on full display and there's going to be consequences for that. It's God's will and our calling that we not live impure lives but holy lives. And so getting to that last part, what he's saying there's, you know, paying it no mind, disregarding it because of whatever reason. You know, I don't know what reasons they were having back then. But today, you know, we'll hear things like, oh, you're you're just old fashioned. You need to keep up with the times. Or that's your interpretation of the Bible. Really, we are not brushing aside man's opinion when we do that. We are brushing aside God's truth. The secret to our success is the Holy Spirit. That's where Paul goes at the end of verse 8. God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Left to ourselves and our strength and our strategies, we are not going to grow in holiness. You might hear the statistics, you know, about no difference between us and the world. You might look at your track record of of holiness in your life and you're thinking, God has called us to an impossible task. And I would agree, except for the Holy Spirit. It is possible by his power to stop living for our own pleasures and start walking in God's will For his pleasure, in his pleasure. Now, it is a two steps forward, one step back kind of a walk because we're sinners and we're going to sin and we're going to sin again. 
That's what happens. But every morning we wake up to God's mercy. They are, they are new every morning. And if we won't give up, if we'll stay in the crock pot of the spiritual disciplines, God will slow cook us into someone who looks like Jesus who's living our life. He will. He renew our minds with his word. Helping us have eyes to see other people is not people to use for our own pleasure, but people to value because they're made in his image. We cannot do it, but he can if we say yes to his will. If we just give ourselves to it. Now, if you're stuck in a pattern of failure in the, in the area of sexual purity, do not stay in the shadows. Staying in the shadows, living in shame, is right where the enemy wants you. You want to be wise about all of this stuff. You know, get rid of things that make it easy for you to fall. You know, let others get on your, on your devices, get eyes on your devices so they can see where you go. Get somebody that you trust in the loop about your struggle. We're not to live this life alone. Alone is where Satan wants us, living in shame. In fact, I would say this, the single biggest way for you to get free of sexual sin is to come out of the shadows and confess it to somebody. Admitting, this is who I am. There's freedom there just in that one thing. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Doesn't that sound good? Healing to your flesh. I I mean, I could use some refreshment in my bones. (laughs) That sounds so good. It is God's will that we should walk in holiness, including Sexual purity. I mean, can you imagine doing a a whole day of sexual purity? And and a whole day where your tongue didn't get you in trouble? And a whole day where your minds were set on the things above and not on earthly things and your your body didn't miss a chance to serve God by doing for others and and all of your relationships were just working that day and all of of your ambitions were to make much of Jesus' name and not your name? All because God was smiling over you. Giant steps are what you take. Walking on the moon. It'll be that kind of day. A blue ribbon kind of day. It's a next level walk. We can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Paul's encouragement moves on here to another aspect of this moonwalk. A next level walk includes walking in God's love. He says, about brotherly love, we don't have anything to say to you. You're already getting this done. God himself has taught you. You're showing that love to to the whole family in the whole region where you live. Just keep doing it more and more. So the Thessalonians are a living example of Jeremiah 33, 13. And in that passage, God is describing this new promise, this new covenant that he's going to make with his people through Jesus. And he says in that verse, verse 13, I will put my law within them 
and I will write it on their hearts. And so this new church, they've got this new law written on their hearts, a law of love. And they were living it out. God had, God had been teaching them how to do that. Now, Thessalonica was a, a main city in the region of Macedonia. So everyone was going to Thessalonica to do trade and business and all that kind of stuff. And so the Thessalonians were strategically placed in a place where they could love on a whole bunch of people. So that love that God put in their hearts would have them sharing Jesus with people who'd never heard his name. And that that love would have them praying to God for people's lives and the hurts and struggles that they were going through. That love would have them opening up their homes and showing hospitalities to, to, to to friends and to strangers. That love would have them providing for others' needs as they became aware of them and as they as they were able. When you receive God's love in your heart, it will have you walking in it as you see others better than yourselves. And Paul says to do this more and more. So how can we do that? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, there's a prayer in there that Paul was praying for the Ephesians and, and us. And in verse 18, he says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. So we got to think of God's love as this multidimensional love. Okay, it's multidimensional. And so when it comes out of us, it's going to come out of us in all of those ways. And in fact, I believe it is key to us in understanding that power to, to, to love in all of these ways. Okay, so this is a wide kind of love. And so it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be spread abroad to as many people as we come into contact with. You know, it, we, we will not discriminate with God's love, who we pour it out on, no matter what they look like, no matter where they live, no matter what they do, no matter what they have done. We're going to love people across the spectrum. This is a wide kind of love. It's wide. It's also long. It is going to go a long way with people. While we exercise patience with them, while we suffer with them while we extend forgiveness to them we are not going to give up on them god's love is going to go a long long way in someone's life through us it's a long kind of love it's a high kind of love it goes it goes really high it is bigger than any problem that anybody has in their life it is taller than any sin that anyone has ever committed this this love is so high it always hopes it always trusts It is that kind of love. Jesus said there is no greater love than this that one lays down his life for his friends. So to walk in this love, we'll be walking in Jesus' footsteps when we give away ourselves to other people. It's high. It's a high and lofty kind of love. And it's deep. It is a deep kind of love. It does not shy away from deep hurt or deep pain or deep struggle or a deep mess or a deep darkness. It goes down to the depths of the pe- with people to the bottom of their pit so that God can use us as rescue agents, pouring out His saving grace by sharing the gospel, pouring out sustaining grace, helping people do one more day. It's this dimensional kind of love 
is going to be flowing out of us more and more. We will never get to the end of this walk while we're walking this earth. We'll never get to the end of it. We're going to always be able to do it more and more. More people going longer with them, going deeper with them, showing this higher love that God pours out on us. It's the next level walk. And then finally, we're going to be walking for God's honor. Now, Paul instructs them to be ambitious about living quietly, about living the quiet life, working with your hands so you don't depend on anyone. And all of this, we're, we're, we're living properly. And, and actually, ESV doesn't have these words, but to gain the respect of outsiders, I think, might be in the, in the NIV. Now, so this, this ambition is so contrary to the message that you hear from the American church. Okay, there's lots of people, lots of studies that are all about encouraging you to be a rock star for Jesus. All right, go make your mark on the kingdom. Dream big and go for it. Get a spotlight so you can point it at Christ. That's the message of the American church. How does that square with what Paul's saying right here? Be ambitious about living a quiet life. It doesn't square. God doesn't need our spotlight. He does not want want one rock star Christian to make a dent in the kingdom in the darkness. He wants millions of nobodies living faithfully, loving selflessly. And you know what? We may not see that, but he will see that and he will use that. He will. So how do we lose the respect of people? How do we lose the respect? Well, we say things that we shouldn't say. Um, Either in person or online. I did that very thing last week when I said that people that don't have any friends are weird. It has bothered me ever since, and I'm sorry about that. The point that I was wanting to make was that we need to be the kind of people that befriend people who don't fit in, who don't have a place. This needs to be a place that they can call theirs, a place that they feel like they belong. So we say things that we shouldn't say. We also do things that we shouldn't do. You know, things that don't match what we say when we're saying the right thing. So, you know, you've heard this before, maybe. Our walk doesn't match our talk. You know, so outsiders, people outside our faith that don't believe like we do, they call that hypocrisy. And they will stay away from us if they feel like we are not genuine in our life. They won't respect us. We lose respect with people when it looks like we believe. Hear this, okay? I'm going to be careful how I say this. We lose respect with people when it looks like we believe more in our political leaders to change the world than we do our Savior. We have blown it. Our mission is not to get the right people in office. Our mission is to get people into the kingdom of God by being able to lift up Jesus in in their lives. And I do not want to lose that opportunity because someone knows me more as a Republican or as a Democrat. 
We need to stay on mission. It's about Jesus' name. He's the one who can change the world. He is the most important one that we can be talking about. We lose the respect of people when we want something from them more than we want them. You know, so we want their money or their talent or their support or even their love. Whatever it might be, we're not being genuine with our love, with our interest in them. And outsiders will see through that. Now, I am sure that we can mess up in more ways with people than that. But here's the big point. The big point is when we mess up, it reflects poorly on our God. And when it comes to people outside of the faith, it is way more important what they think about Him than anything else. And so that should motivate us to live a certain way. And Paul's giving us a way to make it our ambition to lead this quiet life So they see somebody who is constant, who is faithful. And so when the door opens to share the gospel in their life, chances are they're going to listen. So a quiet life, it is is a seen life, but it doesn't draw attention to itself. A quiet life has space and time in it so that you're even available to talk to your neighbor or your coworker. A quiet life is a life of contentment that is not driven to have more and have more experiences. A quiet life is a faithful life, doing what we can to take care of ourselves, being good stewards with what God has given us so that our needs are met and we're available to meet other people's needs. A quiet life doesn't keep to itself. You know, it's not, it's not mind your own business kind of a life. But it's not, it, it doesn't meddle in other people's business and make it worse for them. This is the kind of life Paul calls us to. It, it's, a, it's a life that will honor God. And it gives our words the integrity they need to be heard by those outside. You're probably never going to write a book or a blog about the quiet life. You're probably never going to make headlines or a big splash in your church or at work, but you will join millions of faithful Christians living like Jesus, witnessing to his life and showing people who he is. It is a next level walk. Walking in his pleasure, walking in His will, walking in His love, walking for His honor. Let's have our worship team back up. So what kind of walk are you walking today? Are you walking hard to get God's smile? Well, I I can tell you, I can promise you, you can't walk hard enough to get it. As a believer, you are his son or daughter. You wake to his smile, his pleasure. And so walk in that pleasure today. Have you just given up on holiness? <laughs> Does it even sound appealing? Well, I, I can tell you this. There's not a quick fix for holiness in, in your life. There's There's not, you know, I can't have you come to the altar and say a prayer and you're going to be holy like that. 
And it just doesn't work like that. God, God is calling us to a holy life, and it's a process that he, does, he works in our life. It takes time, it takes work, and it takes help. you got his Holy Spirit if you're a believer. Fill up on him. you got other believers around you. Get him in the loop. All right? Do better at keeping the marriage bed holy. Whether you're in that bed yet or not, keep it holy. These sexual desires that we have in our lives, they can imprison us. They make war on our souls. We need help to not let them run wild. With God, all things are possible. Walk in His will. Is His love flowing from your life? All dimensions, more people, that wide kind of love. Deep, going deep with people into their hurt, into their mess, into their darkness. Going long with them, not giving up on them. Showing them selfless, life-giving love. That's walking in His love. Do it more and more. And strive for this quiet life. You know, some of you, maybe a lot of you, you live a quiet life. And you think... Am I making a difference when I talk to my neighbor, when I bring their trash cans up from the road, when I go over and walk with them in the driveway to get them some exercise, when I babysit their kids for, you know, nothing so they can go out and have a date? I'm telling you, God sees every bit of that. And it's putting treasure in your account in heaven. So be encouraged. He uses the quiet life, to change people's lives. Be ambitious to live there. Listen, I truly believe if you walk in these ways, you're going to have days that it feels like you are walking on the moon because of the love of God.